Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the Sustainable Development Goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoyed today's SDG Talks podcast. Sahin Razin is a maths and statistics graduate from the University of Glasgow in Scotland. A little over a year ago, in his home city of Dhaka, Bangladesh, Zaheen founded Hydroco, an organisation which ensures water security by leveraging AI and big data analytics. This is not his first venture, and he openly admits he's an avid learner and futurist who relishes designing disruptive solutions which utilise deep tech methodologies. Uh, are you ready to yeah in? let's ready let's let's do it yeah let's do it so you're uh you're soon to be a maths and statistics graduate yeah. and you spent some of your degree working on mechatronics and robotics so i was wondering if you could please tell me how you managed to get into water and what the hell big data and artificial intelligence has got to do with water security Sure. Uh, so my origin story, if I may, it was basically pretty much started off like any other regular story. Uh, I used to be a social entrepreneur and of uh, advocating for the SDGs for United Nations, like multiple SDGs, right? Um, and it's so, like women empowerment. Um, I was doing my IB in grade 11, 12, and then uh, uh, setting up um, dustbins and then also making water filtration systems um, kind of ensure accessibility of clean water to like uh, local them, um, people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm. So that kind of gave me perspective. And then I ended up, um, you know, he- heading out to university. I started off studying engineering for a wee bit. And then I was like, um, it, it is um, it is a lot of work. And I decided to switch to mathematics and statistics, which ended up being more work. <laughs> so didn't benefit from it. <laughs> but um, like that kind of gave me like, a, again, um, a wide um, understanding of how things work, um, uh, both in abstraction and then also in application. So recently what happened was that Bangladesh, I think, was going through a surge, uh, surge of like issues um, in the water scarcity department where like a lot of the localities weren't alloc- being allocated uh, water and, and then they were getting contaminated water. And so um, as of now, as it stands, 21 million people out of 160 million people do not have access to clean drinking water. And then due to is that, the inter- is that mostly in in the big cities, right? Yeah, big cities. Um, also, like due to the um, mass migration of Rohingya refugees, that also led to more, um, you know, like issues spiraling out in the scarce city departments again, and like overall uh, efficient resource allocation. So I, I was like, um, there must be something going on in the AI department. Like it's you know everything um, AI is being applied to almost every. Um, um, like industry, I'm sure there is for water, but then I realized like I looked almost as an IBM, Google research publications, like not much on a wide scale, except for, uh, you know, areas around Silicon Valley. <laughs> so uh, that's where most of the things t- tend to happen, right? I'm like, okay, so um, like on, um, I, I was like, I, I must kind of like do something and something that could ma- be more efficient and more effective. Uh, so then I, was, I started like, you know, reasoning from first principles, like first principles is basically one of the fundamental uh, reasoning that um, is associated with physics. Like, you know, when uh, physicists wanted to like and kind of understand how um, quantum mechanics or, you know, quantum theory works, they were using these ground roots uh, form, uh, formulation to like kind of build up. So I was like, OK, it's pretty simple. Um, so 
um, you need to collect data efficiently and make smart decisions, right? And so, and so that's, that started my kind of effort into kind of commercializing uh, this idea and making it widely applicable to my engineers who started working with me, kind of like, you know, communicating this information of how we can use like the explosion of data uh, that now is a kind of kind of form, um, termed as um, the big data, right? Uh, depends on uh, variability, how big it is or how fast it is. And the complexity of it makes it like like uh, big data. And so uh, it started from the 1960s. Um, and then on one of like, I think around 2 billion data sets has been like um, digitized in the last um, two years, if I'm not mistaken, uh, mostly from the explosion um, that's come from the um, um, the internet community. So yeah, like, so I was like, um, leveraging kind of this um, kind of initiative, uh, having like an act, uh, using this wide application of data, we'd be able to kind of detect leakages, identify anomalies, forecast water demand, predict events, and we'd be using um, wireless connected sensors now, which we classify as Internet of Things systems. So yeah, the, so uh, we started off with that. We deployed kind of like IoT systems into um, underground water pipelines and then started collecting data. So the data got kind of transmitted to the cloud. Then we used machine learning algorithms to kind of further refine it and find where the source of the, the tentative question that we were asking was uh, coming from. So we analyzed the data uh, using those algorithms and like we kind of tried to understand what happened, why did it happen? And then we tried to kind of predict what will happen in the future. And let's say in terms of forecasting event, how can we make it happen? So, and that's kind of like the idea without going into too much details. So you've um, you set up your company in, in Bangladesh and you've you've set up several of these companies in Bangladesh. And I'm, I guess really curious to know more about kind of a, a dive on in, in on Bangladesh and, and, and what these, why this pollution really is so bad and why so many people have um, such limited access to clean water, 20 million people. And what, who are the big actors? Where is it coming from? What, what are the sources that are being affected? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll just start off by giving you like a brief statistic. So currently Bangladesh is over a total population is, uh, is around 170 million and it's uh, still growing exponentially. One of the leading causes of water contamination uh, is due to the aging pi pipelines, right? Like it goes as, I think, old as almost 40, 50 years. And then um, infrastructural weaknesses that leads to those kind of um, uh, kind of pipe leakages that happens. And um, I think around, if I'm not mistaken, two billion liters of water is lost through just water leakages every month in our capital city. And it's you know due to like conventional wisdom and uh, selection biases that lead to this ends up like kind of creating this um, like a vicious cycle of water resource de uh, depletion and overall like very inefficient water management so as of now um, um yeah 21 million people don't have access to clean drinking water 9 million of which is in the in, in our capital city is currently living um a complain having not access to like like you know like just like running water systems come um or like they don't have access to um, like for taking showers uh, things like that the basic necessities so although like huge investment has uh, kind of gone into kind of revamping the infrastructure of and uh, some great um, advancement has been made, like uh, we, we're uh, kind of uh, collaborating with water operation partnerships from all over the world, like Netherlands is helping us a lot, 
Denmark is also helping us a lot. Uh, Germany too. Uh, so they're helping us kind of build us um, new infrastructures, like the district metro areas, uh, which is like connected to, um, um, which kind of supplies water to like almost 5,000 to 6,000 properties uh, at a go. So that's been done, but that's the situation right now, Bangladesh. Um, it's, 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 um, I, I recently a World Economic Forum kind of stated that Bangladesh is, um, I think, the fifth largest growing, uh, fastest growing economy in the world. Uh, because of the RMG sector, uh, ready-made garment sector that accounts for like around $30 billion. And that's also kind of causing a lot of groundwater depletion, kind of also also starting the, uh, stressing the water systems because you know, we're having to like kind of cater to the fast fashion industry, uh, like Zara h and who kind of like gives us huge volume of orders, which we need to fulfill. And uh, yeah, without having access to groundwater, we wouldn't be able to like kind of facilitate that. So that's that's also putting a huge pressure. So it's kind of overall mismanagement. Yeah, that's that's what Bangladesh faces right now. But it's still making great progress. Uh, we're uh, in the a process of kind of help, uh, helping Nepal build up their district meter areas as well because they're learning from us how we kind of made the system. And then, um, you know, like our, our, our initiative recently proved successful of setting in like um, a wireless Internet of Things connected systems that kind of collect real-time water quality data, pressure data. So that's also a new um, case study that they'll, they'll explore. I was wondering if uh, two weeks ago I was speaking with Mohammed, someone else from our track, um, and he was talking about in, in the Pakistan Pakistan context that they were in fact just it, they were saying it's so difficult to try and retrofit a city with changing infrastructure, especially water pipes and, and things, and actually it's much easier just to build new cities and really just do them right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much like the same case for Bangladesh itself because um I think we kind of um one of the things thing kind of that completely devastated Bangladesh was the liberation war um, that we had to go through in the 1970s when we were kind of like fighting to become an independent state and a country from uh, from being East Pakistan to like transitioning Bangladesh. So that led to a lot of like, um, you know, overall damage of the infrastructure of our country. And so then now we rapidly urbanize, uh, like uh, you're going through urbanization where we're kind of building up new cities. Um, yeah, and um, that's happening too. Uh, but then again, you know, like, the old cities that are we're trying to move from is the one that's accounting for most losses and also leading to uh, kind of contributing to the overall like um uh, depletion of uh, the resources that we uh, are kind of leveraging kind of fast transition to um like the new cities and everything and the, although that's happening in well and good um we still are not kind of uh, focusing on the question that is at base, like how can we kind of like you know refine those um inefficiencies and redundancies that are existing in those systems and kind of um, build from that and create an infrastructure that would be kind of contingent upon those failures, learning, having learned from those failures, and then, um, yeah, like, and stay, uh, becoming a self-sustaining community. Um, I'm actually quite curious as well to sort of look at the, the broader picture with Bangladesh, because I actually read that only 7% of Bangladeshi water supplies, watershed, is in Bangladesh. And your three major rivers are coming from India and China. Um, and so how does Bangladesh manage these transboundary agreements with these countries and how do you think it might change in the future especially with industry growing and r&d growing so quickly like you've already said do you think yeah, the like, rivers are going to be running drier or just heavily polluted from industry upstream or is there any insights yeah, so like oh what does not help us like because you know um um india kind of took the advantage of being the upper riparian country bangladesh is always going to be at a disadvantage and um in terms of that and because of also like um 
like sociopolitical issues that kind of exist, um, uh, communication discrepancies, and then, you know, a lot of policies that are not being kind of pushed through due to a lot of bureaucracy that is associated within that system and is kind of causing the huge issue. Yeah, and, and the fact that we are uh, yeah dependent on that kind of um, structure, it's not going to change anytime soon. And our dependability is going to further in increase over time because rivers are going to dry out. There has to be a remediation where we need to like kind of open talks, like increase the inc information um, that the data has uh, information of like um like overall access of the data to the public so they can have like an understanding where we stand because there's so much uh, miscommunication right now um and also uh, like um bangladesh and india is pretty uh, secretive about their like uh river data right so if I, if I say something right now there might be huge repercussions associated with it because um I'm, i might not know like how this might, may follow because if uh we're also like um in bangladesh where Although it's like a like a full-on democracy, like there's some things which is like highly emphasized not to talk about, especially um, like you know the water uh, conflicts that are as of now um, still remaining. So I'm just gonna be diplomatic here and not <laughs> further comment on it because I'll, I'll give you I'll tell you this uh, what happened though like there was like um, undergraduate student who was speaking out on this transboundary um, conflict right now and and then he he had to kind of suffer the consequences of giving his life you know like um when he got attacked um while uh, while he was just sleeping in, in in one of the student halls so that's that's the type of situation that's there so, yeah, and especially yeah, so since I'm working with the government right now <laughs> on a very um com uh, commercial basis <laughs> just, okay okay well uh, how, how, how about yeah. something more more broad yeah. then which is how we you mentioned information and it needs to flow and there needs to be access to data how could we really utilize big data let's say in a perfect world to allow these countries to work together on these issues I mean, what data really can they so yeah what what kind of is the main core issue underlying issue would be the um the current hydrological models that we're using that's like very obsolete right now it doesn't apply um to the current situations that we're facing so we need to kind of start from scratch um so um so Let's say like um, the geospatial data that's available from satellites. We need to use that to kind of uh, kind of restart, uh, kind of remapping um, the uh, the groundwater, the sources of groundwater where they're coming from, and kind of use those um, data sets can, and then kind of use those data-driven decisions based on those data sets to kind of optimize our uh, water resource planning and the planning um, that will kind of um, help um, the um, young youth generation of Bangladesh for the next 30, 40 years. So that's how we need to start optimizing. And then, the, um, then we need to also understand like where the sources of anomalies are coming from. So like having a live water quality update system from one um, supply end um, point to another would all always keep like the people who are having access to clean um, water in general on top of their uh, demand as well, because they'll be able to know like what time of the day, uh, what time of the month w they may or may not face kind of water scarcity. So they'll kind of plan ahead. Um, and so like, yeah, kind of- in, This could probably be used for floods risk and, yeah, and everything else as well, right? It's not just- uh, Yeah, as well, um, when you start using a spatio-temporal um, data sets as well. So yeah, that, that will definitely help again. So yeah, it kind of, um, the core ideas uh, uh, kind of as you have the uh, existing data, the real-time data, you update update your hydrological model with more existing data and, and further optimize over time, and that would require like a collective um, 
um, let's say collaboration from yeah, like all, both the countries, India and Bangladesh in general. But you were, you were saying a lot of this can be recovered from satellites. Satellites could be the source of, of this data. Satellite data is like, as of now, it's it's so like exabytes of satellite data is available, uh, you know, due to the, like the global position system that got um, available, uh, made available to us almost um, uh, 20 years ago. So yeah, just kind of using geospatial images um, to find the maximum likelihood of like where the next um, you know, um, depletion is going to arise. And so we kind of um, locate our uh, water resources or kind of yeah, uh, target our water resources in that manner to the applica overall application of, of it. So, yeah, so like hydraulic gradients and um, the surface in general, um, underground uh, mapping using ecological drilling, uh, using like, uh, yeah, so that, that, that also help um, kind of understanding the uh, underpinning reasons behind um, the le leakages and where the sources of leakages are also coming from. So yeah, that, that will lead to an overall database that will help us manage water for the years to come. Yeah, I think we could try and leave this conversation on a high note. And maybe you could share some interesting or disruptive water-related startups or companies that you're aware of, and if you could even go into more detail about Hydroquo or just the you know things you're working with. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's like summit. Um, I recently went to this summit in Paris called Change Now, and it's focused on all the um, like startups related to sustainable development goals. And some of the interesting um startups that I I saw uh, was um that they were focusing on aquaculture optimization um and harvest using uh, water sensors, uh, called sensors. And then um there was uh, another uh, upstart that I saw was using um real time um sensors uh, for kind of analyzing and kind of image processing and classifying types of E. coli bacteria to like kind of then give data-driven decisions to the region-specific municipality to kind of um, um, yeah contain the source of contamination where they're coming from. So Clean Water AI is a huge company that's coming. So would you need these sensors built along a, a pipeline infrastructure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, sure something the structure needs to be there. How I got very lucky was that Bangladesh had recently kind of started, uh, completed um, the construction of district meter areas. And so I came to the government and said, uh, hey, so um, I have a lot of uh, water quality index monitoring parameter uh, sensors um, that I, you can use for kind of, um, instead of, you know, using the traditional lab, um, uh, you know, assessment instead of having, having access to real-time water quality management and then uh, using and, and have that overall system completely in the palm of your hand using like a smartphone and uh, an app. So they said, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, um, why don't you just have a pilot test done and then we'll see what happens. And we did it and uh, we got lucky. So yeah, uh, Hydroco is also doing something exciting as well. We're going into groundwater mapping, um, uh, real-time water quality, monitoring, um, uh, anomaly detection. So, so you're moving, you're moving right out of the cities. It's not just yeah, yeah, yeah. cities anymore. Yeah, so hydroinformatics related upstarts are very rare right now. So this is the next big industry for sure, because um, like you know, streamlined technologies, ma mainstream technologies that are being streamlined to, um, you know, the vast um, consumers are kind of has reached its peak. Now it's more about sustainability. So um, anything related to hydroinformatics, climate informatics uh, that are using um, you know wireless uh, connected sensors. And kind of using real-time data would uh, kind of be the next game changer in kind of tackling climate change as a whole. Massively able to adapt, especially um, like you said, to scarcity and flooding. We need this real-time data that's totally essential, especially in regions around the Himalayan range where you've got 
a total seesaw between flooding and drought and you have a cryosphere that you need to be looking after when is the snow going to melt how much snow fell what's the temperature now okay there could be a huge flood in you know three months time because we know it's going to be a warm spring and then suddenly all the farmers upstream perhaps are closing off their channels so the water just comes piling down and takes out uh, people near the, the bottom and yeah i think this real-time data is going to be absolutely essential and just how we can actually start putting it all together in, in big models and, and and like you said having this spatial temporal um, understanding of what's going on in the hydrological cycle so i think that was a <clears throat> i think your own the work that you're doing yourself is something really cool to end on because it is uh, very relevant and is going to be even more relevant in the future as we need sort of less um i want to say less classic classical technologies right we're using more the data and the, and the other things that are available to us potentially fingers crossed you never know um but yeah i'm just trying to kind of contribute to the overall development of this um in, like an in industry and however like you know like there has to be someone kind of pushing for it and if i can be a part of the small community of people who are doing it it, it just feels great So, as you can tell, Zaheen is a very passionate guy who spent a lot of his time, especially in his youth, developing social enterprises. And you can really tell that he's got a good, solid understanding of the Bangladeshi water situation. And of course, as you can tell from the conversation, this situation is, especially in regards to its neighbours, quite a sensitive one. Um, and these transboundary water issues are only going to become more and more problematic. Um, I think the issue he was referring to was an agreement made between Bangladesh and India about how much water the Indian government is allowed to withdraw from the Ganges River, which is one of the main three rivers which flows through Bangladesh. His his own company working with automation and digitalization of water quality uh, measurement in cities using IoT devices instead of the traditional lab-based assessments is something that's um, really relevant and really novel and um, something that as he already stated, is, is quite new to the water sector and hopefully in the future we're going to be seeing more and more of this sort of um, climatological, hydrological, uh, and I guess more strictly meteorological data into models so that we can really understand changes to the hydrosphere. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash and United Nations community. The goal of SDG Talks is to bring you value. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.